right, Kim. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, Ty, you ready? <laughs> Always. All right. I'm out. Tyler, who are we taking a timeout with today? Good whistle right there, Kevin. Well, Kevin, thanks, man, for uh, having Kim Brumber on the show, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, and of course, children of all ages. Uh, Kim Brumber is a local leader up there in the 585 in the, in the Rochester, New York neck of the woods where I used to roam. Kim, thanks for uh, being on the show with us. And I'm always curious at um, where in the heck are you going to take Kevin and I out to eat if we were going out to, for lunch this afternoon? Oh, if we were going out to lunch, um, you know, I would be really content with, you know, it's a beautiful sunny day here in Rochester. I would say let's grab some subs at a great local sub shop and let's go find a freaking park bench and just enjoy the weather and some really unhealthy food in each other. More <laughs> yeah, are, are we hitting calabrasellas up or debellas? What, what, what? Yes, you gotta get specific with me here, Kim. A uh, meal? You know, um, debellas is the easy go-to, right? That's the, the local sub shop, I guess now. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. The, the real question is um, hot peppers or not. Oh, I'm a hot pepper guy. I'm, I like of it course. spicy. I'm a big spicy <laughs> yep. guy. Yeah. Gotta go hot. The, real the hotter the better for me. Yeah. If I'm not sweating, it's not hot enough. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> we will have a good time. Like Richard Simmons would have said, sweating with the oldies. You'd be here with me. Yeah. <laughs> well, while we're uh, sitting out on that park bench, you know, enjoying one of the few sunny days that we have here in Rochester. Um, with that fat Debella sub, especially because they have great seated bread. Um, what music would you ask to turn on? Should we, uh, uh, as we're headed over to the park, what's, uh, what's your music request that you would demand Tyler and I play while on our ride over there? Uh, so are you looking for a genre or a song? I'll do song. Oh, we need a song, okay. Cam. <laughs> so, um, you know, for me, you're, you're picking on an old, uh, my original path was going to be to music school. So mm -hmm. I have really broad uh, music taste. But so my, my favorite song or song uh, of the moment tends to go with the, with the times, what's going on in the universe at a given time. And I've been listening a lot recently to Alicia Keys and Brandy Carlisle. They have kind of a, it's a pretty new uh, song and it's called a beautiful noise mm. and it's really about having a voice and um, you know I think the beginning of the song they start out my voice started as a whisper and then they talk about their voice becoming a scream and I just think that's really um, it's the moment we're in I think we're in a tipping point as a society uh, and moving to a kind of extreme place in that tipping point and I think that song does a great job at talking about the voice that each of us have in, mm -hmm. in the moment. Mm -hmm. Wow. Dude, Powerful. Awesome. It takes a while to find your voice, you know, in my experience, you know, and what you do, it's like, here's the, here's the human megaphone, mm -hmm. um, you know, all, all for the best, you know, I do my best to, to, to be an active listener, but golly, it feels good to have a voice that people can actually trust nowadays, you know, Kev? Um, but I was going to ask you at this picnic that we're at right now, with, um, you know, our Debellas, our hot peppers, our, our uh, what is it, the everything bread, I think is what I used to go with. Um, if you could have three people, any dead or alive, in, in the history of mankind, who, who would be eating with us right now, Cam? Uh, well, for me, I'd be inviting Dolly Parton first. Um, <laughs> I, I have a, a recent girl crush on Dolly Parton. Um, I grew up 
I grew up um, country, uh, rural, and um, I love, I've learned to really uh, recently have a new appreciation for music, but more so the, uh, the severe, really successful female business person she is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that she would be important. Uh, one of my go-tos has always been Mother Teresa. You know, uh, that's, that attitude of service to me is just um, so admirable and to be able to have a conversation with her. And uh, last but not least, and sorry, I'm, I'm going all female on you guys. Um, the last seat at the table would be Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's a good, those are, that's a, those are three very powerful women. And I, I, I too, uh, my wife is the one actually educating me on Dolly Parton and how much of a businesswoman that she is, uh, believe it or not. Um, and she did not have the easiest of lives. We've actually recently watched a documentary uh, featuring her as well. So, um, pretty impressive stuff. And, and you're, you're not uh, uh, foreign to finding your voice. Um, you have been in three leadership positions here in Rochester, um, and I'm sure you've had to share your voice in each and every one of them, um, especially being more focused on that not-for-profit space. Um, can you tell us, the walk us back to that first day that you became or were announced president and CEO? Can you tell us what that felt like, and who did you call first? <laughs> that first day? Um, so that goes back a long ways. That's, uh, that's 24 years ago from the very, the first one. Um, who did I call first? I actually called <laughs> this um, older gentleman. Uh, his name uh, was Red Gramlich and the Gramlich's uh, local family. Um, Red, when I took over at NeighborWorks Rochester, what was then Neighborhood Housing Services, uh, we renamed it under my leadership. Um, Red was an early retiree from Kodak. He had been an executive. And I think when I met Red, he was already in his late 80s or early 90s. And uh, I was told, this man will always have an office as a volunteer. That's what my board told me. And... um, you know, Red, Red had the connections in the Rochester community. He was still fundraising for the organization as a volunteer. And he was just astute and knowledgeable and kind, mm-hmm. probably more important uh, than anything, and just had that giving heart. Um, so he was probably one of my very first outreaches, if I remember correctly. Wow. How cool. Dude, awesome, Kim. And Kim, I'm fired up to have you on here th- this afternoon. And I think I'm going to ask just the fun questions for a little bit right okay. now, if that's Let's cool with it. you guys. Um, you know, I, lo- I love presidents and CEOs. I, I, and I'm sure we'll, of course, get into more of your, your path to the way there, because that's always interesting to me. You know, it's always interesting, you know, when you're growing up, you're like, how the heck do you be a CEO? You know, <laughs> do you go to CEO school? Um, but um, I was going to ask you, um, actually, let's hit on that real quick. Could you kind of let us know when when you were like, you know what, America, I'm Kim Brumberg and I'm going to be a CEO or a president, by golly. Like, like does that just happen one day when you're eating your oatmeal in the morning? Or, Alan um, and I are still of, waiting. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm, eating a lot, I'm eating a lot of oatmeal. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, well, I guess for me, it just kind of happened. Um, you know, in uh, if you'd asked me in high school, I was I grew up 
in very rural America and the professionals I knew were teachers. Uh, everyone else was either, you know, pretty much a farmer, factory worker, uh, laborer of some sort. So, um, you know, and originally I thought, oh my God, I'm going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my probably original dream was architect, but back in my day, you had to actually be able to manually add, subtract, do complex, you know, fractions and that to, to do all the angles and God knows I can't do that stuff. So that, that got nixed pretty quickly. <laughs> um, today, a different story with computers, but anyways, so the CEO path, um, you know, from, uh, I just told somebody this the other day, from a very young age in school, I was constantly the one picked for leadership positions, you know, so you, you kind of, I think, build that leadership muscle. So whatever someone sees in you, you know, I've learned to see that in others where they probably before they see it themselves, oftentimes. Um, And a lot of times what will happen, what happened to me is, you know, I, I would work somewhere and, um, you know, pretty quickly they would put me in a management role. So my first job was at a local, locally owned pet store. And at 21 years old, I was made manager of a store and, you know, I had employees a lot older than I was. And so, you know, after college, some career, you know, moves that I was just never content working for other people because I have, I have really strong ethics, uh, really solid work ethic um, values to how I want to work, how I want to treat people. And I just always felt like no one else measured up. And it was hard for me to work for other people that, that, I felt, I think, if I'm honest, that didn't kind of have the same high standards as I did. So eventually, um, I had taken a job at NeighborWorks as a uh, neighborhood revitalization expert. And pretty quickly after that, um, there was a CEO transition. And that's how I ended up uh, applying for that job. And, you know, I think it just, you just kind of get put into places and roles where you hone those skills. And, um, you know, there's a big debate if you, you know, read some of the leadership literature about is, is it kind of a nature or nurture uh, trait, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's both. I think, I think there are core aspects of leadership that you can teach somebody, but I think for certain people, there's something innate that um, I think it's just there. Yeah. I, I and, and I was going to ask you that same exact question because I was interested in once you kind of said always growing up you people were naturally drawn to you as a as a leader and it was probably by your actions and by your ethics you know they felt like they could trust you and these are some of the things that we talk about instead of just the power equation right I think the right. power and the title is sometimes that was enough back in the day um, where it was like you have to um, instead of uh, you want to trust me or you want to follow me. Um, it was more of you have. Um, one of the things that you talked about is is you're resting on resting on your ethics and values, and and I think that um, your ability probably to not let yourself do certain things based off of those ethics, whether it's the board asking you to do it or somebody else. Can you kind of talk talk to uh, I guess what are some of the things that you value most, and what do you value most as a leader, and and what do you look for in other leaders? 
Well, for me, um, I actually struggle with the word power. Um, so, you know, it's funny to hear you talk about that because um, to me, it is, it's, you can't get away from power coming with a title. I, I mean, I clearly experienced that where people treat me different because of that title of CEO or president. But to me, true leadership is about influence and service. And, um, you know, it's important in my mind that you always uh, earn your followership. You know, you can, you can try to demand it, but I have not found in my many years that things go very well when you try to do that. So really building that safe space, that, that trust that you mentioned, um, making people feel safe, feel heard, allowing people to have a voice in my mind as a leader. This is some of the, the leadership shift, I think that's occurring in the world in general. Um, you know, it's a, it's a less bureaucratic uh, process or system anymore and more of a, a democratic or consensus building is what younger generations today want. They wanna be involved, right? They don't want some old person uh, like me barking orders at them. They wanna know that they're engaged and that they're valued and that their voice matters and that they have something to offer. And to me, those are really, those are, it's a harder way to lead, trust me. It's uglier, it's messier, it takes more time. It's really easy if you can just, you know, point to someone and say, do that instead of engage them and learn from them. But I think better outcomes are achieved if you um, do it the way I just described. I love that. And it is all about the outcomes. I think, I think you can get the, the minimal performance outputs, which may be standard or average, right? Um, but if you ask organizations, are you different? Yes, we're very different. Great. Do you, do you like being average? No, we're better than average. We're, we're amazing, right? And it's and, I, and some of those those things that you're talking about right there. It's like, can we do more? Can we can we get get further together in, instead of uh, of just putting it my 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 own name on it? Thank you so much for that, Kim. I appreciate that. Love it, Kim. And I'm I'm gonna go back to Pet World back back in the '80s, Kim. Um, Say pet world. Oh, <laughs> I'm on you, Kim. I'm a rap sheet over here. So, so you're, you're, you're 21, 22 at pet world, managing people in their fifties. What do they see in you, Kim? What uh, did they bring you in the office? And they were like, I mean, you're slinging a lot of dog food out there, Kim. I think you're going to be the manager. <laughs> what did they tell you? You know, it really wasn't that they they told me anything, you know, I think back, I was, I actually just went into Pet World last night. I haven't been in in a long time <laughs> into one of the stores that I ran. Um, my, my wife wanted to buy a dog toy for one of our, our uh, furry um, relatives. So, uh, you know, I was thinking about Jim Sidewan, who was one of the two men that started uh, Pet World. And I've been blessed. I, I grew up in this kind of wacky, a pretty traumatic situation, um, abuse, neglect, very poor. Um, but I had these key people all through my life. I can look back, just sprinkled like the right person at the right time to give me what I needed to take that next step. Mm -hmm. And Jim was that guy when I was, 
I worked full time to put myself through college. And um, so here I am, I'm going to school. I think I'm going to be a teacher. And Jim started bringing me by his side and showing me the mechanics of the business. And it wasn't that he said, geez, Kim, I think you're great. You know, you should be a leader or a manager. It was that whatever he saw or thought he saw, um, he wanted to teach me. He was a teacher. And uh, the best business course I could have ever taken and really was a pivotal part of why I um, actually abandoned the teaching degree and I uh, ended up with a dual major with uh, psychology and business management. And it was because of Jim and his willingness to show me the ropes. What did you learn from psychology that makes you a more, and now we're hearing emotional leadership. And, and, and I, th I would like to lean in with, it sounds like you coming from relatively nothing or coming with from a, a challenging background um, and teachers being the, um, I guess, highest title uh, that you are recognized within the professional world per se, or what we perceive as the professional world. Um, and your first job being in a more service driven industry. Um, how much better did that make you? Was it that or what you learned in the classroom that made you a more emotional or emotionally intelligent leader? You know, I think both, honestly. I think the ability to have the academic um, training and understanding of human behavior. I mean, I still, I, I have books on my bookshelf today that are from college that you know, talk about um, human behavior, organizational behavior as a result of human behavior, right? That, that academic piece is, um, I, I still rely on, lean on, but the, to know it academically is one thing, to be able to actually apply it is a different thing, right? Mm -hmm. That's a skill. And so I would say that being able to lead and manage people at such a young age, I, you know, it's school of hard knocks, right? Like, I'm sure I did really boneheaded stuff. Um, I still do really boneheaded stuff as a leader. We all do. We're human if we're honest about yeah. it, right? Like, there's no perfect leader. Um, and, you know, I was able to hone my craft by taking those academic concepts and applying them in real life very quickly. Hmm. Hmm. That is, that. that is awesome, Kim. I'm all about the school of hard knocks, Kim. I, I, I love it that you brought that up because, you know, if you haven't been through it, I don't know if I believe you. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm wired kind of just like that. Um, and I was going to uh, ask you, uh, where do you think you learned? Uh, you, you said Jim came into your life at, at a perfect time. Um, but I mean, you, before Jim, I mean, you were you were 22, you know, running Pet World. Um, and, and where where did who do you chalk it up to, to learn those ethics as a young, a young adult? Like where, where did it stem from before, before you, you met Jim and it sounds like a few other key folks in your career and your life? Yeah, you know, I think, um, I think growing up rural, um, farmers have the hardest, you know, they are driven. They, they are up early um, to bed late. Um, you know, you don't, you can't stop because you can't, they can't take a day off from milking the cows mm -hmm. that, you know, old Bessie ain't letting that happen. Uh, so, <laughs> and you can't call in either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. right. right. So, you know, for me, it was up 
before school to do, uh, you know, take care of the animals. Um, you get off the bus in the afternoon, you take care of the animals again, right? Um, you always, you know, I just think at a very young age, you learn that you just, there's a responsibility and uh, a necessity at some level. And, um, you know, I still am an early riser. I think I attribute that to growing up that way. I, you didn't sleep in. Um, and that's fine. It's, I, I, mornings are beautiful. And, but I, you know, so you had that, that training, right, that went on every day of my life. And then I think layered on that, I was a good kid, a good student. Well, I won't say a good kid. I was actually a little bit of a troublemaker, but because <laughs> I was a really good student, I uh, flew under the radar most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, so I had teachers, I think, that recognized that, um, that things at home weren't right at some level, right? And they, they nurtured me. And um, they gave me that belief in myself enough that allowed me to keep kind of trying new things and pushing myself like I I'm the last of seven kids um you know my story is that my parents had to keep going till they got it right and they did thank god uh so you know I'm the baby by uh 14 years difference and um where was I going with that one wow I don't usually bring that up but anyways you know they um the teachers were able to, I think, see that, um, that I needed something, probably that, that love and that, that I use the word nurture, but that care and protection. Um, and they would lift me up and kind of allow me to go to the next place. So when it came time, you know, senior, junior, senior high school, and everyone's talking about college, all my peers, because I was in the, you know, the regents, good kids class, you know, my farm, rural, poor parents never prepared for a child to go to college. Mm -hmm. And but I was just determined enough that I wasn't going to have that kind of life. Mm -hmm. And I was going to do and be something different. Mm -hmm. And I figured it out on my own and mm -hmm. with the help of guidance counselors and teachers and all of that. But I just think about your story and then I think about the inner city of Rochester, right? And you think about uh, just, just the same almost experience. Yes, it's rural and now you're going very metro driven, but same experience, right? If, it, if you grow up into that world and it's the only world that you know, you only believe that there's certain opportunities and certain potentials out there for you. And I loved how you put that. But you have to be comfortable with who you are, Kim. Um, and I guess I, I have a twofold question. When did you get comfortable with who Kim Brumbar was? Um, and, and from me, uh, from my perspective, I think you touched on it earlier, is sometimes we need others to help identify our strengths and then also help us at certain stages of our, our careers or our life journey. I, I needed Tyler. I tell people that quite frequently, right? I'm not kidding. It, it happened at that perfect stage at that perfect time that him and I just happened to network with each other. Um, but when did you get comfortable with who Kim was? And second to that is when did you get comfortable allowing your ethics and your values to help you guide decision-making and changes necessary? Yeah, those are great questions. And I think it's a little messier for, for some of us. Um, 
so it's no secret that uh, I have a wife. So I'm uh, part of the LGBTQ community. And, you know, so I graduated high school in 1980 in rural America, um, right? And I knew that being uh, gay, so to speak, was not okay. Mm-hmm. That's that was all the message I I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, going to college was a big deal because it got me out of the rural environment. It got me around other um, educated people, um, people with different um, upbringings than myself. You know, I rolled into St. John Fisher with my rusted old Grand Torino, thinking I was all that and more. <laughs> and I pull up next to these shiny. BMWs and you know Mercedes and I was like who drives those and it was the other students right I was like oh crap I am so screwed (laughs) Um, but you know you have those moments where you realize that um, those those um, you know symbols of success right aren't aren't all that and Mm I I think that, you know, it's really, if I'm honest, I'm still, I'm still getting comfortable in my own skin Mm -hmm. and probably um, leaving my CEO job a few, I guess it's been almost two months ago, really now, um, was a big part of that. Like, Mm -hmm. I am just, I'm going to be 60 in a few days, well, not a few days, a few weeks, um, and there's something about needing to be able to be fully authentic as we age mm-hmm. um, that's important. And I've, you know, don't don't hear this wrong. I have loved being a CEO. It has fed my soul. It has allowed me to do great things um, through my work. But it is time for me to tell my story, um, to just be able to be me and not me through the the window of knowing that everything I say can be interpreted to be owned by the company that I work Mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I would never want to make comments publicly. Like, like if we had done this interview two or three months ago, I'd have probably been much more conservative in my comments, Mm -hmm. um, more careful, more cautious, because I know that everyone would not only be seeing Kim Brumber, but they would be thinking East House, East House, Mm -hmm. East House, which is great. It's a great organization. But that, that became constraining over time, mm-hmm. always being the face of an organization. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably just really starting to fully own my authentic self. And it feels That's really, really, good. really cool. And I think Tyler helped me come in more to my authentic self and really show me that. I don't know why, but I think that it seems like we all are kind of going through this, this, this journey together um, during the pandemic. But how our company that we worked for was almost synonymous with our middle name or first name, right? And, and almost the exact same as like, oh, that's where you work. And all of a sudden now that's my different perspective. And just like we were joking about before we got on is like, that's typically when the first time we're meeting anybody, it's, it's hey, the weather looks great. And oh, what do you do for a living? And, and, and for whatever reason, <laughs> we're just so hardwired that way that your job is your life and makes you who you are. And here we all are kind of going through this warp speed journey together over the last two and a half years. 
realizing that that American dream is so much different and bigger than what we had, we were we were oversimplifying it almost. It's a lot bigger. There's a lot more pieces to the puzzle. And here we are now talking about mental health and physical, emotional, financial, and career well-being. It's just a place that in my short 10 years in working in this world, I can only imagine um, you being a member of the LGBTQ community and still coming into the work environment, how challenging that is and how much more barriers there were to entry than me being a white male coming into the working world where, where pretty much everybody else looks like me and went in those leadership rooms. So I guess that is awesome. And thank you so much for sharing your, that you're on this same journey as Tyler and I, because I'm, I'm in my thirties and you just said you're entering your sixties, but we're still going through this journey together. And I think it's that continuous evolution, um, which gets me really, really excited. Dude, all of the, all of the above, man. Absolutely. Whether it's, you know, finding yourself on a zoom or in a church basement, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, and, and Kim, I literally wrote down like five minutes ago while, while you were sharing with us, I, I wrote down, uh, do you ever have a chance to tell your story? Because I think you could help out a lot of people, almost including yourself at the same time, you know, in my experience um, on where you came from and, and where you are now and, and, and kind of telling people that um, no matter where you are, you, you might not be comfortable. Um, and then tell you kind of get down to the nitty gritty uh, inside your chest, you know, CEO, president, farm girl, whatever case that be in rural America, LBGTQ, you know, all that combined. Um, do you ever get to share your story like 100% authentic or um, is it just has it kind of been just been kind of coded with the CEO title as of the past few years? <laughs> you know, um I think by and large, it's been coded, unfortunately. Um, you know, I think back to uh, fairly early at East House, I, um, I have a little speech that I do sometimes, which is about, you know, your, being your authentic self. And uh, I remember after that thinking, God, I've, I've found my tribe because the world of behavioral health is really accepting, right? They meet, we meet people where they're at. Um, it's pretty non-judgmental in that and uh but even with that there's big pieces of my story that I felt like I had to just um keep tucked away sadly mm -hmm. and I I probably part of my pandemic um ahas you know many of them <laughs> good and bad uh is is that there's that I can help others by just being honest about some of what I've lived through in my life. Man, were we walking lockstep together through the pandemic? And I hardly even knew you, Kim. I feel like I had the same exact uh, journey and experience because when I met Tyler, I think he helped me identify that being myself was okay, that you no longer really had to be a chameleon and change who you were based off of who you were speaking with. And that was something that obviously growing up in sales and I, my grandfather, my father, they all, we all fought so hard to separate work from life, right? And, and never really shine a light on what we do in our, in our professional or personal lives. Um, and here we are during the pandemic where you have bait crits crying and you got cats walking behind them. You're seeing uh, guys in their stand up in their boxers. You're, you're really getting that work is a part of our life. Um, so it's interesting to hear that you too went through the same journey and found out that it's okay to be yourself. And, and that's what Tyler 
uh, gave me is to sometimes we take ourselves way too seriously. We take we take business way too seriously. At the end of the day, it's about who you are as a person, and it's okay to be human. And it's okay to make mistakes, but shining and letting people in on your life is actually a benefit because you all grow together. So I I really really love that. Um, Talking about building trust um, in each of those positions, you obviously had to build trust with, with everybody on your team. And here we are talking about how, how important trust is today. How did Kim do that? Like, how did you typically go into an environment to build trust with not only your peers but and, and other senior leaders, but also, also the employees and the frontline employees that, um, that sometimes are, are, are last to be thought about? Um, well, I think the old adage that actions speak louder than words is so, so true. And uh, unfortunately, not heeded by too many leaders. Um, that uh, is probably probably the, the primary way I've done that. And, you know, really showing people that I care um, you know, when I would go into an organization, I, it's my nature to do what I call listening sessions. And, uh, you know, as I led bigger organizations, that got harder and harder because you got a lot of people, but I would group people and give everyone the opportunity to be with the CEO and tell me what was on their mind. And then, um, you know, uh, gather those trends and uh, show them that you're taking action on their words, or if you can't take action, which there's a lot of things you can't always, can't give people everything they want, unfortunately, as the boss, um, but tell them why, you know, explain, fill that, fill, bridge that gap of knowledge so that they know that it, it, even if you can't act on what they've asked for, um, that you've heard them. And I think being heard really um, helps people to, un, to, trust and believe in you as a leader. I just had a conversation the other day, I reached out to a um, young woman who worked for me uh, at East House. She had left a couple of years ago and I needed some advice from her on helping a teenager in a um, mental health crisis. And as we were talking, um, she said, Kim, it always amazed me that when you would walk through the halls, which you did often, you would always call us all by name. And you might be like scurrying to a meeting, but you would like, if you saw one of us, you would pause, back up, say hi, ask how we were doing. Um, so again, it goes back to your actions, right? People, people feel that. Mm -hmm. um, what is that other one that it's not, people aren't gonna remember what you said or something, they're gonna remember how you made them feel. And so show them you care. Yeah, well, you made it personal for them and you made them feel special if you, if you stopped in your tracks and asked them how their day was. They just, that, that, that small action leads to, 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 to big impacts. So cool. I could feel it all the way down here in Texas, Kim. Golly, you got me all like, emotional this morning. I don't know what's going on with me, but I'm over here like, yeah, you know, that's exactly it. You know, and when someone calls you by your name, it, it matters, you know, it's almost like it's now it's on pen and it's on paper. It matters when you, you, you single out someone's, you know, first name. It's, it's really cool to me how you went over that. And what's the next step for you, Kim? I mean, I think the sky's the limit for you. What's the next thing on Kim Brumber's list right now? Well, that's a great question. Um, 
So I keep talking to everyone who will listen about Kim version 2.0. <laughs> so when you, you know, you, you, you've been one thing for a long time and it's a thing, especially I think that that becomes your identity at some level when you're the, uh, the face of an organization. Um, you know, I am, I'm kind of flipping it instead of saying, I want to be this, I'm saying, this is now what's important to me in my life. And how can I craft, how can I craft the life that gets me what's important to me today? And, you know, if I, if I had the opportunity to talk to and coach young leaders, which I hope I actually hope is part of Kim version 2.0. I want to impress upon them the importance of taking more time to stop and smell the roses because, Mm. you know, I, I, as much as I love what I did for 24 years, I sacrificed a lot. You know, Mm. I missed, missed a lot of stuff with family and friends. And uh, my wife gave up a lot to be the first lady. Mm. And uh, it's time to flip that. It's time to to work. I'm, I will probably work till I'm in my seventies. I'm guessing I work is my addiction for sure. It's my, my drug of choice. And uh, it, it, so, but I need to work in a way that gives me flexibility that I can work less than 60 hours every week. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, I have a home, uh, a second home and we want to be able to split our time so also work whatever work is that can be done from different locations mm-hmm. um, and work where I can have a broader impact. Um, I've, you know, I've been had jobs that are impactful. Thankfully, they've been a real gift. But I think I now have the wisdom and experience that can also allow for a broader impact. Love that. So cool, Kim version 2.0. That's really, really cool. And, and, and just hearing how you set that all up, um, it's it's funny because you you pretty much work backwards from from your values, um, your purpose, right, and and what's important to you, to find the career that enables you and allows you that. Um, I too, and I know Tyler does as well. Is uh, we're kind of workaholics in some cases, right? It is it's it is almost addictive in some 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 form or fashion, but you do have to stop and smell the roses. I have an 11 month old son. And I think that was the wake up call that I needed most, right? Um, that total change of perspective, you know, as to, well, what is your purpose here? And, and with people and, and on this journey, if you will, is how you continue to figure out what your purpose actually is. And I'm getting asked now from, from we have two interns here. We ha- I spoke to Roberts Wesleyan class uh, this year and everybody's, all these kids want to know what purpose is. And it's, hard to say because to your wisdom and experience point, it's hard to know what your purpose is until you gain the wisdom and you go through those shared experiences. And then you determine what felt good, what you didn't like, you know, and, and, and what got you out of bed. So uh, Tyler and I, Tyler typically asks this question, but I'm going to steal it from him today. What gets you out of bed and what do you want Kim Kim's legacy to be at this point? Um, well, what gets me out of bed is always the opportunity to make a difference. Um, And that can be, you know, when I look back over my career and even um, what Kim version 2.0 will be, I'm sure. And uh, on things I just do on the side, it's always about making a difference, making something better, whether that's um, 
a human, right? Touching a human's life, um, a community, uh, a place. I, I revitalized neighborhoods for a long time, like, right? You make that a better place. Um, yeah, I wanna, I always wanna be making a difference. That's so awesome. Thank you. And thank you for your leadership over the last 24 years in that role, because I'm sure you created a lot of apostles and disciples out there too, that share that same, same views and those same experiences. So that's really, really cool to hear. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm excited for Kim Brumber 2.0. Me like too. I just mentioned, uh, and like you said, you're, you're valuing what's important to you first, which is really neat. You know, I don't think we, as a society, we've ever really thought like that. <laughs> it's like, I want to be this. It's like, why? It's like, cause. <laughs> right. I don't know. I can't tell you why, but it's they, because. You told me I should. Because I'll be happy then, you yeah. know, and, and I'll be able to tell my friends that's what I am, you know. Um, but I was going to ask you a really important question, Kim. What's the best tire on the market? I, I see you had some tire, some years at Goodyear. You know, <laughs> what, what kind of tires does Kim Brumber go with? Is it all season? What, what's the deal there? Uh, well, of course it's all season. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, I still, that, I mean, that was like early 80s. and. I know tires. <laughs> tire school. I was the only woman, of course. That's why they hired me, right? I was a woman who knew how to fix cars. So, you know, wow. yeah, all seasons, deep tread, something that pushes the water out from the center bar of the tire. Yeah, you'll be good. You Tyler, you give me an email and I'll I'll hook you up with the best one. <laughs> that is hysterical. And I love what you said before that, because I mean, outside of tire selection, you're still helping people. Right. And I think you've every stage of at pet, pet, the pet store at, at this role at, at Volunteers of America and all these different places. You've always made that, I believe, like your purpose and your, your what you're trying to get out is just enable somebody else's success. It's not about me. Um, but there seems to be a lot of work to where you got from Kim 1.0 to 2.0. Is there anything that you can share of how you came to that, that it's, hey, it is my time to focus on what I want as Kim. And, and, and a lot of people are trying to find themselves right now. Is there any tips of advice that you would give anybody as they're trying to also determine, well, what is... What does my future look like? Um, because I'm fearful if we don't envision a future, it makes life ver look very short sometimes. And, and, and without setting those goals, sometimes uh, where are we going if we don't have that futuristic look? But what did you have to learn from 1.0 to 2.0 that maybe you could share with the audience who might be going through something similar? Wow, that's a deep one. Um, probably that being broken is okay. Hmm. You know, I think being in um, leadership roles in the community for so long and having having so many people look to me to to be, you know, to to lead an organization, to make them feel safe as an employee, that you, I felt that I had to be like this perfect, whatever that, I don't know, whatever they say the perfect leader should look like, right? Yeah. Um, I think just the, the beauty and brokenness mm -hmm. and really the strength probably even more than the beauty, but the strength in brokenness. 
And I think that's part of what the pandemic did for many of us, for the world at some level. I believe that there's natural resets Mm -hmm. and um, this world has been spinning crazily out of control. We might not want to have wanted to see that as this world, this country, communities within this country spinning out of control. And the pandemic, as ugly as it's been, um, has been a reset in so many ways. And I think we're just, I don't even think we know yet today what that full reset means, but it's happening. People have, um, you know, they're owning their voice. People are slowing down, right? The number of establishments that are no longer open till nine or 10 at night, it's because they can't staff them, but it's also creating this slower pace of life that I remember when I was a kid, the grocery store closed at 5 p.m. back yeah. then, right? Like yeah. you didn't shop at midnight or 3 a.m. <laughs> like you couldn't. And I get there's reasons that we need to have some of that accessibility, but I think it had gotten too much mm-hmm. for humans. Okay. And it's okay to be broken. I just say it's okay to fail. We're hearing all these types of things because it just gives you opportunities to learn. And, and back to your wisdom and experience, a lot of that's probably built through failure. Uh, it's through making mistakes. Um, it's funny. I think that people remember success less often than they remember their mistakes in, in some cases. You know, I think we harp on our mistakes instead of our successes. And, 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 and I, it's funny to hear you say in a leadership role, people were almost telling you what they, how, to, how to lead or what you needed to do. Um, and it sounded like you took a time out of your own and said, wait a minute, am I doing what they want me to be or am I being who I want to be? Um, and that's, that's really, really powerful stuff, Kim. Thank you. Dude, I just want to say thanks, Kim, for being on the show this, after, this morning, afternoon, whatever time it is over there. And uh, good to finally meet you. you know? I, I think we have a couple of friends in common. And uh, I've, I've learned a lot from you, you know, just, just, you know, I felt you, you know, you made me feel, Kim. And one of what you said, you know, when you were talking about going down the hallway, saying people's names, it was just like, I got the chilies over here. Um, so I just want to say thank you, Kim, uh, for being on the show. I've uh, learned a ton. And Kenneth, Kevin, what do you got, man? Is it, I, I think I'm out of I, I, I think I'm rel- relatively speechless and you know how, uh, how, how, how rare that is for both of us, but um, Kim, you, you really gave us a lot to, to chew. Um, and I, I just appreciate you being transparent. And I think that transparency right now to Tyler's point, telling your story, sharing your story um, is how everybody gets to know that some of these things that they're feeling too, whether they're off on their own, they'll never share what they're going through it gives them that little piece of validation that they're not crazy or they're not insane. They're not nuts that other people have similar feelings. And that's really when Tyler and I kind of came together is that we, we were very open and honest. I, I, I really fought to protect who I was as a person a lot um, and probably put a lot of energy into that and didn't realize how much energy I was putting into that instead of really truly being myself, which was the most powerful Kevin uh, 3.0, 5.0 at this point, you're only at two. I'm like, <laughs> maybe step five or seven at this point, <laughs> but I needed to go through those experiences. And here I am as a father of 11 month old boy as one of the happiest men that I can say that I've been in my 32 years of life. And, uh, but it takes this journey, this wisdom and this experiences and, and people like you at certain stages of my life to get here um, and, and to say thank you and, and to, to, to understand that it's, it's, 
it's okay to, to fail and it's okay to make mistakes as long as we own up to them. So, and learn from them. So Kim, do you have anything that you'd like to rest uh, the last four minutes on here and, and share with us any other buckets of wisdom? Cause I think uh, Tyler, I'm up to like eight, eight pages of notes here, Kim. Yeah, I, I got some <laughs> notes over here. I just keep writing. I'm like, oh, that's good. <laughs> You know, um, that's that's probably the hardest question of all, right there. What's that? What's that last nugget of wisdom, right? And um, you know, don't don't listen to the haters. There's always going to be haters. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you do, who you are. Um, you know, I teased you guys about blowing the whistle because I was a volleyball official, and it was probably one of the best early jobs I ever could have had because uh, as a people pleaser, it taught me really early on that no matter what call I made, 50% of the people in the (laughs) audience were not going to like it. And uh, you know what? That's okay. Yeah. And uh, please yourself, please, please yourself, please your spouse. Um, You know, be true to who you are and, and don't worry about the haters. Love it. Love it. Think how much more freeing that is, how, how many shackles that we put on ourselves, just thinking what others will think of us and, and assuming what they would think of us. So powerful, powerful stuff, powerful message, Kim. And just thank you so much for your thought leadership in your roles as CEO. And Tyler and I know are super excited to see what 2.0 brings for you. Um, but uh, I think you're going to have a lot of success. I think you're going to have a big impact and change a lot of people's lives. So just thank you so much for the impact that you're having here on our community. Um, it's thanks to leaders like you that um, understand the roles that they're in and the opportunities that they have to really not only have the impact on their own employees, but also externally in the in the community in which we all live and work. So thank you. You are very welcome. Thanks for this time. And uh, so nice to get to know both of you.